Welcome to the shit show of my 20s. My name's Sophia, and I am a 20-something on the journey of figuring all my shit out. <laughs> so I figured might as well create a podcast where we could all figure our shit out together and really be able to navigate these shit show moments and really be able to hear the stories behind the successes and not just the successes, but what led up to that. And so I created this podcast back in April 2020, and it's been incredible. Since then, I've interviewed over 150 people. I've been on my own journey of really, I hit this moment of getting all these things I thought would make me happy and getting these paychecks and this job and all these things that I thought were going to be my thing. And then having this huge oh shit moment of, oh my gosh, I'm working for this job that's out of alignment. I'm not happy where I'm at. I'm not happy with how this thing is going. And realizing that you can have it all on paper, but if you're not truly in alignment with what that is or what that company is, it doesn't matter. And I had this moment, and since then I've sent in a resignation letter to that company. I've done started doing loans with a mortgage broker, and I've started working with another company that really, truly prioritizes myself and my growth and really makes me feel seen and heard and like I have a place to grow with since then. And it's been incredible. And I really hope that with this show that you get inspiration that you get maybe some laughter, that you get some joy, and that you get to feel seen and heard and know that you're not alone in all of your shit show moments. You're not alone in the ups and downs and that we're really truly in this together. And that if this show does resonate with you, I really hope that you can share with a friend as well as leave a review. And I'm also, I would love to hear from you on Instagram. My Instagram is the shit show of my 20s. So feel free to send me a message and yeah, let's get on to the show. Today's guest is Daniel Blue. I love chatting with him. Daniel is a Forbes contributor and owner of a seven-figure business called Quest Education. His company aims to empower people and provide more freedom over one's finances. He gives resources and provides education for individuals to maximize control over their money and provides his customers with world-class service. He went from having a daughter at 19 years old, being addicted to Oxycontin, college dropout, to owning a seven-figure business, helping people learn how to make money tax-free, pay off debt, and get capital to grow their businesses. We go into so many incredible things in this interview, from how to build your credit in your 20s, overcoming a drug addiction, spending money in your 20s, and what it was like to have a baby at 19, and so much more. So excited for you guys to hear this interview. Let's get started. So thank you so much, Daniel, for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you. I'd love to start. Tell me about your 20s. Feel free to include any shit show moments we resonate with. Let's start there. (laughs) I'm glad that they're swearing aloud. I feel like if I started with my 20s, I would do people a disservice because my 20s started pretty early in the sense of just having to grow up pretty quick. 
when I was 18 years old, I ended up getting a woman pregnant and uh, got addicted to Oxycontin and dropped out of college and just really didn't have a plan in life. I was kind of just dealing with some previous trauma and, and not forgiving certain people and just kind of playing the, the victim mentality. And, and that's why I resorted to using drugs. But at 20 years old, you know, I pretty much had a, a one-year-old daughter and, you know, it was, that completely changed my life and being able to have her essentially help me overcome and get clean from, from drugs, uh, from Oxycontin. That was, that was massive. So my twenties was just a, really, it was a shit show. That's probably the best way to describe it. Just making a lot of mistakes, you know, not building my credit score, not saving money, spending more than I was making. I, I was in sales. So I had the ability to make money, but I wasn't good at keeping money. So a lot of lessons from my twenties that uh, have helped me where I'm at today, where I'm 32 years old and I've been clean from, from pills for over 10 years. And now I've got a, a teenage daughter that keeps me on my toes. Well, and do you think if you didn't have her, do you think you would have got away from drugs as early or do you think it would have been completely different if you didn't have her? You know, I think, you know, I read something really sad the other day, over a hundred thousand people have died over the last 12 months from overdosing on opiates. Right now, fentanyl is, is the big one that's killing a lot of people. That's a lot of people, right? Over a hundred thousand people dying from overdosing off of opiates, right? And so, so the reason I bring that up is because it's hard to, to beat addiction. Maybe right now you're listening to this and, and you've beat, you know, smoking, cigarettes, uh, alcohol, food, right? Like there's just so many different vices and addiction and it's just not easy. We know we need to do it. However, the, the want has to happen and there has to be a moment where you hit rock bottom, right? There has to be that aha moment that gets you to finally go over that hump. And to answer your question, I don't think I would have had the aha moment to get over the hump with, without my daughter. I truly believe that, that God gave me a daughter for a reason. You know, I was 18 years old and I wasn't planning on having a kid. However, I was irresponsible and making bad choices. But one of those bad choices, you know, was having a daughter that ended up being the best decision I ever made. However, I'm, I'm not with her mom. It was just a, a quick relationship. We were 18 years old. We were essentially teenagers, right? So, you know, raising a kid with two different parenting styles and two different homes. That's been challenging, but it's been good over the years in terms of learning how to co-parent. And do you have any tips? Let's say someone's going through some type of addiction right now, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a drug addiction. It could be like a different addiction, could be like addiction to work or maybe something less or maybe something more like some type of addiction right now. And let's say maybe they don't have a kid or they don't have something like that. Is there any advice you would give them if they don't necessarily have that thing? Yeah. So number one, I'm, I'm not a doctor by any means or a therapist. So I got to put out those disclaimers. I can just share from personal experience. I tried to get clean so many different ways. I did everything but rehab essentially. And I just kept relapsing. And so what I would say is you have to try different things because different things work for different people. What worked for me was changing my environment. And I lived in a small town in Utah at the time that I was heavily using pills. And what finally allowed me to, to, to break free from my addiction is moving to Las Vegas, Nevada. And I know that sounds crazy to think Sin City is the place that got me clean. 
I've, I've been here for 12 years and I've been clean from pills for 12 years and changing my environment is, is what got me over that hump in the sense of staying clean. Of course, my daughter was, was the trigger and the catalyst and, and helped me sustain it, but changing my environment, in the sense of new phone number, new friends, new city, right? That always is good for people to change the environment because a lot of the times the people who you hang out with your environment, which you see, what you hear can really drag you down. Yeah. Yeah. Environment is huge. And like, I'd love to go into too, like you said, you made a lot of different mistakes in your twenties when it came to money and when it came to other things as well. What are some of those mistakes that you made that if you were to redo your twenties in terms of, let's say money or in terms of like work or anything like that, what would you do differently there? I would have built up my credit score earlier in the beginning. I came from the mentality of why do I need a credit card when I can just buy it with my debit card? I can just use cash. So I didn't have credit cards growing up. I, I didn't just didn't believe in them. And that came in back to bite me in the butt because you know your credit score is everything, right? You want to get a home loan. You want to get a car loan. You want to get a loan for your business. Like you need personal credit. And uh, you know when I started Quest Education, I own a company here in Las Vegas where I've got about 13 full-time W-2 employees here in, here in the city. And we've got a uh, a pretty decent sized business. We've got about a thousand customers in all 50 states. We help people access money in their retirement accounts, penalty and tax-free. So I'm explaining that so you can kind of see the context behind what I'm going to say next. But I help get this business up and going by using 0% credit cards. And I would not have been able to use 0% credit cards to fund my business if I didn't have a good credit score. So in my early 20s, I didn't have a good credit score. And that came back to bite me in the butt several times. But then after learning and being around other people, I understood that the credit, the credit is a game. The credit score is a game, right? And, you know, having a good credit score and learning how to manage your, your utilization rates with your credit cards and using credit cards to make money and not lose money, using your credit cards as an asset and not a liability, you know, that was key. And then, you know, obviously you have to make sure that the fundamentals are there. You have to make sure that you're not spending more than you're making. And, you know, my, my first year in sales, I made close to about a hundred thousand dollars. And then every year after that, I made six figures and I didn't grow up with money. So when I made that kind of money, I was a knucklehead and I just spent it and I didn't have a plan. So I was spending more than I was making. And right when I was probably about 25, 24 is when I started spending way less than what I was making. I started saving money, investing money and having a really good credit score. And I was still working as an employee at the time. But then three years ago, I was able to start Quest Education. But from the time I was 24 to 28, 29, like I was able to save a lot of money and, and build up my credit score and really just get my ducks in a row. So then that way, when I started my business, I was able to essentially go all in, you know, using the 0% credit cards, using the money I saved up and, and build up some momentum. Mm-hmm. I think you brought up a really interesting point of like, if you're not used to having money and then all of a sudden you go to the other extreme, then you kind of want to spend it all. Or you kind of want to just go to the other side of like, I've never had this. I want to look a certain way or just go that way. What advice would you have for someone who maybe they notice themselves going that other way and they're trying to bring themselves back to like a center place between those two? You know, I I think, unfortunately, you know, you can 
that's the right way to explain it. You can listen to all the podcasts, all the rah-rah, all the YouTube videos that teach you this, this, and that. But ultimately, you have to feel enough pain. Like, how much are you willing to take? Like, it gets old when you max out credit cards or you, you know, I, I remember like it was yesterday when I would overdraft my bank account, right? Like, that's going to keep happening if you do dumb shit. Right. So eventually you're going to get to a point where you log into your bank account and you're just like, man, like this is what I'm left with at the end of the day. Like, where is all my money going? So you do have to experience that pain where it gets to the point where you're just like, okay, I'm so over this. Like, I'm tired of this life until you get sick and tired of being sick and tired. Nothing's going to change. Like if you're okay being broke and not having money in your bank account and overdrafting your, your bank account a few times a year, and you're okay with that, then that that's on you. You know, there's nothing I can say in this podcast that can change that. But if you're at a point where you're just like, dude, I am tired of living this way, then there's hope, right? Then you just have to come up with the plan. Now you just have to reverse engineering it, you know, reverse, reverse engineer it. Where, is, where are you spending your money, right? It's very easy. We're in 2021. You probably have a debit card or everything. You can just log into your bank account, right? And you can just print everything out and just see where you're spending your money and figure out, okay, I need to cut this out. I need to cut that out, trim some fat, but ultimately you need income, right? You, you mm-hmm. can skip all the coffee at Starbucks and, you know, eat cup of noodles and hot pockets all day long, but you need income, you know? So finding ways to bring in more money and you have to do what it takes, right? Is that a second job? Is that doing Uber on the weekends? Is that doing some social media freelancing work? Is it doing some consulting, right? You got to figure out what you want in life. And if you want great things and you want to be above average, you have to do things that average people don't do, which is, you know, maybe sacrificing some Netflix, maybe sacrificing some times that you spend with your friends on the weekends to do some income generating activities, you know, to uh, help you out. And do you notice, I'm curious if you notice like kind of a trend of like people, they either really want to use a credit card or they really don't believe in using a credit card. Like, I wonder if you notice the trend that people kind of go to extreme of like either like they really believe in it or they don't believe in it at all. I wonder if you have anything to say about that. I think a lot of people just use a credit card without intention. And, and, and what I mean by that is, again, it's a game, right? Like my American Express gives me... cash back when I fill up my gas, you know, for my car. If I go on amazon.com, my discover card gives me 5% cash back, right? It's a freaking game, right? Like that's, that's free money. I also know if I use my, my card for personal things that aren't making me money and I'm paying interest on it, that's not helpful, right? So like, what's the interest rate on that credit card? And of course you're going to use your credit card to buy groceries if you want, or, you know, you're going to buy things that don't make you money, essentially, that that's inevitable. But just you have a plan. I like getting cash back. I like free money. You probably do too. So play the point system. And when you are going to use your credit card for something that you're not going to make money with, then just make sure you pay it off as soon as you can. So you're not losing interest to the banks, because there's no point of getting 5% cash back if you're just losing 15% interest on that credit card to the, to the bank, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's dumb. But what I don't see a lot of people do is, is use a credit card to make money. And there's plenty of 
things to do that, right? Like, you know, use the credit card to join a mastermind program. And that mastermind program, you know, doubles your investment because it allows you to meet someone that you start doing business with, or it allows you to, you know, learn a new skill that can increase your revenue, or maybe you get a client out of the mastermind. Like that's one way to make money, right? So just being intentional in, in how you're using credit to, to make you money and then being able to use it as a tool to, to save money as well. I mean, there's a lot of zero percent interest rate credit cards out there that you can leverage and buy time. You know, maybe you're starting a business that that's a, a great way that, that, you know, helped me. And I'm curious, did you have like a moment where you got sick and tired of your job or did you have a moment where you're like, this business needs to happen right now? Or what kind of was that moment for you? Um, it really, it really got to a point where I just knew that I could do it on my own in the sense of like, not on my own, because I don't believe there's anything such as self-made. You know, I, I believe that you need help. You need mentors. You need a network. You need people to, to show you the game and teach you. And I've been fortunate enough to have that. But you do get to a point where if you're a high-performing employee for a period of time and you see the value that you bring and you start learning a skill set along the way and you have your financial house in order, you do get to a point where you're just like, well, I could start my own business, right? And, and I don't have this Gary V story where I grew up being an entrepreneur. Like I was a hustler in middle school. That wasn't me. Like I, I didn't think about being a business owner in school. You know, I didn't go to college to get a business degree. You know, I dropped out of college after three months of being in college. Uh, in my early 20s, I didn't think about being a business owner. That wasn't an ambition I had, but I've, I've always wanted to perform at a high level. I've always wanted to not be average in life. And a lot of that had to do with my childhood growing up. You know, I just, I just didn't want to live paycheck to paycheck and experience some of the challenges that I saw, you know, my family experience when I was growing up. So it was more of a will to win. And then, you know, there's luck involved too. Like you do have to get lucky, but to get the luck, to actually work, you do have to take action and seize the opportunity um, when it's there. And, and that's what I, you know, was really building up to in my mid twenties, as far as saving money, building my credit, learning skills as an employee that I still use today as an employer, just playing the long game, you know, just, uh, you know, taking advantage when the timing was right. And what's one of like the hardest, hardest lessons you've had to learn with your business? Um, you know, I, I would say delegation, you know, you, you have to be willing to, to, to delegate. It's hard in the very beginning. Maybe you're listening to this right now and it's just you, like you're the business, you're the face, you're the marketing, you're the operations, you're human resources, you're the bookkeeper. I mean, you're, you're everything. And that's cool. However, you got to figure out what you want. And if what you want is just a gig, that's just your show and your show can't run without you, then that's on you. There's plenty of people out there that are solopreneurs and essentially they just create a high, high paying job where they're their business and it's them and them only. And that's okay if that's what you want, but some people don't want that. And that's where if you don't want that, if you want time freedom and financial freedom and, and you want to go on vacation with your family and know that business is still running and money is still coming in the bank account, a lot of times you need to build a team around you and delegating is, is massive. You have to be willing to trust your, your team and, and delegate tasks in, in the beginning. 
it was very easy for me to just take the mentality of, well, I'll just do it. You know, that task, I can do it better than who I'm going to ask do it. Let me just do it. It'll take me 20 minutes, right? Or I don't trust that person. They're going to make a mistake. You, you think about if you're the business owner, you're probably pretty good at networking and selling. And there's activities that you could be doing within your business that are revenue generating activities. So if you're taking the time to do QuickBooks, because you don't want to get rid of that, you want to have an Excel sheet and and you want to do the financials. Dude, you got to outsource that eventually. And maybe you don't want to outsource it because you don't want to pay the $500 or $1,000 a month because you're just like, man, like I'm not bringing a lot of money. I can't afford that. Well, think about this. The time that you spend doing taxes and dealing with tax documents and, and bookkeeping and QuickBooks, that time you could be spending on revenue generating activities. So it's costing you more money to do those things. So it's, it's realizing how much your time is worth and what are the tasks that you're doing that you can either delegate, automate, or just delete, just get rid of, right? So that's where that operation kind of ha- has to come in. And, and that was a tough learning experience for me because I'm a salesperson. I love talking to people. I love selling. That's a strength of mine. When it comes to processes and systems and operations, I had to make some mistakes along the way and then also hire people to help me, people that are smarter than me, people that see things differently than me. Uh, but ultimately, entrepreneurs, and, 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 and you know, I can relate to this, is we, we have trust issues, right? Like we just don't want to let go. And, and you just have to make that decision. If you're going to let go, it's so you can be in a better spot for you and your family down the road. If you don't let go, that's okay too. But there are consequences for that. The consequence is you're now the bottleneck. Now nothing can happen unless you okay it. Nothing can happen unless you do it. And if that's the case, then that means your business stops when you're not in the picture. And if that's what you want and you're okay with, then that's that. But if you don't want that, which most of you listening probably want to have a business that brings bring in, brings in money every single day, every single week, every single month, and you don't have to be the one involved, then you have to get a team and systems and processes in place. And that's where you have to be smart enough to delegate. So I know that was a long-winded answer, but that's something that, you know, was, was a challenge for me in the beginning. I'm curious, is this your first business that you've ever started or have yeah. you started one before this? No, it was uh, 2018 is, is when I started Quest Education and that was my first time um, getting in entrepreneurship. Mm. And is there anything like you noticed from all your sales experience in the past that you really took in into being the owner and being like the face? Is there anything that you took into there in terms of like leading your team or being a better boss? Or is there anything that you really noticed that you could have done better there that you incorporated into your business? You know, I think one thing that always stuck with me is I would never ask somebody to do something that I wouldn't have done at some point in time, right? It's hard to to follow somebody if they're telling you to do something and you don't respect them because they've never done it, nor are they really invested in in the trenches with you, right? You, you have to be willing to roll up your sleeve sometimes and get to work and, and, and be in the trenches with your team because that's how they're going to respect you. So, you know, that's been something that's, that's helped me over the years is just making sure that when I'm giving the orders, when I'm explaining the mission and what we're doing, that that's something that I've done at some point in time 
or I've taken the time to understand. No one likes to feel, if you're an employee, no one likes to feel when you get orders from somebody that that person has literally no clue what you do. They haven't taken the time to really know what you do. And if they haven't taken the time to really know what you do, then they probably don't respect you is what you're thinking. Or you're getting orders from somebody that's never even done it before themselves. So it's just like that automatic guard is up. It's like, dude, who are you? Like, who are you to tell me what to do? And that's never a good culture, a good place to come from. So, so you have to have that, that mutual respect where obviously as an employee, you have to respect your superior. They're the one giving you the order, but just because you're their boss doesn't mean you just sit back with your feet on the desk and you just tell people what to do. Um, you, you have to make sure that there's really good synergy and good communication going on between both the, the, the boss and the employee. Yeah. 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 And I'm curious, like, how soon should we start thinking about retirement and retirement accounts and like 401ks, IRAs? Like what age do you feel like is a good age to start approaching that? I mean, I I think the the best way to answer that question, I think um, Warren Buffett or someone smart made this quote. And the question was like, when's the best time to plant a tree? Well, 20 years ago. When's the second best time to plant a tree? Today. Right. So the sooner, the better. Right. It doesn't have to be much, but just just get something going. And, you know, that that's where the sooner you start, the sooner you can start building something. And then down the road, it's 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 there for you. We've got something pretty unique where we help people have retirement. We help people set up retirement accounts that allow them to access the money before retirement age uh, where they can use that money to invest into crypto, real estate, uh, their own business. Uh, using the money to pay off high interest rate credit card debt. So think of having a bucket of money that can grow tax-free, but then you can use that money how you want. Maybe it's crypto, real estate, maybe it's your own business. And then knowing that you can take money out penalty and tax-free before you retire. So you can essentially control that money and, and have more flexibility with that money. And then it's just there in the background growing and compounding tax-free. Um, so those are some of the things that, that we help people with. We specifically work with entrepreneurs because the IRS code allows entrepreneurs to have certain retirement accounts that, that do some of the things I just talked about. So, you know, being able to, uh, you know, have some diversification is huge. Like, you know, your business right now is, is your baby. If you're maybe you have an online business or you're a consultant, like you have some kind of projects, some kind of side hustle. Like I know that's your main squeeze. That's your main baby. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it doesn't hurt to have something on the side working for you in the background. And, and that's where, you know, a, a retirement account uh, can come into play, you know, that can uh, be there for you when you need it now and down the road as well. And do you work with W-2 employees as well, or is it mainly business owners? Yeah, we do. However, we can show a ton more value if they have some kind of side hustle too. So maybe you're a W-2 employee, you got a nine to five job, but on the side, you've got this project, you've got this business that you want to get started or it's brand new or it's already going, right? You're a freelancer, you're a consultant, you have an online business, maybe you have 1099 income through you know, being a realtor. Um, you just have some kind of business activity going on. There's this really cool plan called a solo 401k that per the IRS, you probably qualify for. Um, so our, our ideal client has a 401k from an old job or an IRA. And the idea of accessing that money penalty and tax-free really appeals to them. Because you've been thinking this whole time, well, I've got this retirement account and I can't touch it until I retire. 
or if I do touch it, I'm going to get crushed in penalties and taxes by the IRS. That's not that's not the truth. That's not the truth. That's 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 a myth. So there are some IRS approved you know legal ways to take that 401k from your old job or IRA and then access that money penalty and tax free and use that money to pay off high interest rate credit card debt. You know, fund your business. You know, maybe you're a nine to five employee and you really want to start this business so you can break free from your nine to five job and and you just need some capital to get that business going. You could use your retirement account penalty and tax free to to fund that business and you know maybe get you to a point where you can leave that nine to five job in the near future or maybe it's just freeing up that money in general and in having other investment options besides just the stock market and that's where the whole you know you could use your retirement account and make money tax-free with crypto or real estate or precious metals uh, and a bunch of other alternative investment options. So um, there's definitely a big menu and a lot of control that you can have with, with a retirement account like a solo 401k. When someone, let's say they're straight out of college, they don't have credit yet. Is there a possibility for someone like that to get a zero interest credit card for a year? Or is it mainly for people who already have established credit? Yeah. So what what you're going to want to do if you're 18 years old and you just got a college, like give your mom or dad a nice big massage, maybe make them dinner. And then they're going to be like, what do you want? And then you're going to be like, Hey mom, can you add me to one of your credit cards? So basically if you add your, if you get added to your parents' credit card, that doesn't mean like you just use their credit card and max it out and get in trouble. That just means you're now a card holder. So then when your credit score gets pulled up, it's going to look like, and actually it shows that you have a visa credit card with a $10,000 limit. So now that's building up your credit history. So if you can get added on a couple of your parents' credit cards, and it's basically just to make your credit score go up and make you have credit history, you know, make sure your parents understand, like you're not adding, getting added to their Capital One credit card so you can use it to spend money. It's just being added to their credit report. And if that gets reported on the credit bureaus for month after month after month, then you can be able to apply for your own credit card, right? It's hard to get your own credit card when you don't have any history. Uh, that's why most of the time you'll get a, a credit card for maybe like a $500 limit. So, you know, you, you got to build it up. You know, you're not going to walk into Chase and they're going to give you a $10,000 limit credit card with 0%, you know, when you're 18 years old. However, you know, if you're 18 years old, you can start strategically planning now getting added uh, onto some credit cards uh, to build up your credit history. If that's not play or a possibility, you can still get a secured credit card. You know, that's a, a pretty basic credit card where uh, basically the banks don't trust you enough. So they're going to make you put up the cash first. And then now it's like, you know, if it's a $250 secured credit card, you got to give the bank $250 cash. So now they have your cash, but then they give you a line of credit for $250. So it's like kind of a wash because you're using your own money, but at least it's now a line of credit and it shows up on your credit report. And if you do that for, you know, a certain amount of time, then you can get a credit card for maybe a $500 limit. And then you use that for, you know, your expenses throughout the month, pay it off every month, do that for a few months, do that for a certain period of time. Then that $500 limit might go to a $1,000 limit, you know, and then you can apply for a couple other credit cards. So it's not going to happen overnight, but you know, if you're strategic about it, there's some, some good ways to, uh, you know, get you, get your credit score up. And does it make a difference if you're added to like a couple cards versus if you're added to one card? Like, is it better to be added to a couple of their cards? 
Yeah, definitely. Because basically there, there's a few things that make a credit score a credit score. It's an algorithm, right? The main one or a big one is credit history, right? So if you miss a payment, your credit score, you know, probably is going to take a hit. If you miss multiple payments, like you're late, your credit score is going to suffer really bad. So that that's a, a big part of the algorithm. The other one is utilization rates. So typically the bank, the credit bureaus, they want to see that you're under, you know, 10 to 30%. And what that means is if your limit is $500, when your credit debt and your, your, credit card information is reported to Experian and these different credit bureaus, the day that they report to the bureaus, if your $500 limit credit card has a $500 balance, your utilization is 100%, right? Like you're to the max, that's going to hurt your credit. But if on the other side, your, your debt on that $500, $500 limit card is $100, well, $100 is 20% utilization of 500, right? So that's going to help your credit score, right? So if you can be between 10 and 30%, you know, every, every month, um, that's going to help build your credit score. So those two things really, really matter a lot, your payment history and your utilization rate, like that, that's, that's massive. Um, and then after that, there are some other parts of the algorithm that help your credit, but not anywhere near carrying the weight that, the, the, hist- the, the payment history and the utilization rate do. And one of the pieces of the algorithm is what you just said is like the amount of accounts that you're tied to, right? Like the more accounts that you have technically, I think the sweet spots like eight, 10 accounts, you know, and that's everything, right? Like car loans, a mortgage, credit card. So, you know, to answer your question directly, yeah, if you can be on, you know, a few other credit cards and just have multiple accounts, then, then that helps. I'd love to know what's something you're excited about right now. It could be anything. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a question I didn't, didn't expect you this morning. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I mean, we'll just talk about right now. I don't know when this podcast comes out, but I'm in Vegas and there's a, an event called Thrive. I'm pretty stoked about that. It's a Cole Hatter event and there's going to be a few uh, pretty Pretty, pretty big name speakers. So excited that events are back out and, uh, you know, people can be shaking hands and being around other people. And, you know, that's where the magic happens at, at a lot of these events. So pretty excited about that this weekend. And what's one tip you would give to someone who's at the beginning of their personal development journey? Mm, I would just say, just stay consistent and, and just play the long game. Uh, I know that's two things, but they go hand in hand. Personal development and seeing results growing a business or growing yourself personally, like it takes time and you just have to be consistent with it. If you can just do it day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, and you just do that over a period of time, you know, that's where you really see growth. Too many people just quit, you know, in the very beginning, they get uh, shade thrown their way. Maybe a, a friend or a family member, you know, gives them shit, you know, some online troll on Instagram or Facebook brings them down. Like there's just something that stunts them and, and holds them back from doing what they're doing. Because when you start growing and, and going down the personal development road, other people are going to notice and your tribe, the people that you want to hang with are going to throw shade. They're going to say things like, man, like it must be nice or like, really, you're going to do that again or, you know, just something that's just negative, right? It's not pushing you. It's not uplifting you. And, and, and you'll, know, you'll, you'll know the difference, right? Between someone that is cheering you on, that's rooting you on, that's supporting you, and someone that is in a place 
of unhappiness. So they're just projecting how they feel on you and their insecurities. So you, you just have to tune out the noise and just stay focused on your goals because there's a reason why you're going down the road of personal development, right? Like there's something at the end of the road that you're seeking, some kind of feeling, some kind of results, uh, whether it's money, whether it's a business, whether it's losing weight, whatever it is, there's a, a, a result that you're seeking. And just know that that's the result that you have to focus on and everything in between doesn't matter. It's just noise. And the only difference between you where you are now not having that result and you being in a position where you actually achieve that result is just time and work. So you just got to let time and work do its thing and it's going to work itself out. Yeah. And I have a final question for you. So if you were to go back in time and talk to your 20-year-old self, what would you want to tell him? I mean, speaking of, of kind of the things that we're talking now, um, I probably would have just said, man, like just spend way less than what you're making, save money, don't buy things that uh, are dumb and uh, get your credit game up, start investing, start saving and, uh, you know, get, get a head start in life. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on, uh, on your show, Sophia. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. And where can we find you? Uh, best place to be DanielBlue.me. So it's Daniel and then blue like the color.me. Uh, my website has uh, my book. It's called Blueprints, Your Best Retirement. Basically teaches people how to access their retirement account penalty and tax-free in a simple way. And then it's got links to my podcasts that are on the all the major platforms. Uh, it's called How Winners Win. Uh, teach people how to win in their personal life, their financial life, their business life. So um, that's something that you can tune into. And then uh, links to all my social media bunch of free content as well. And then, uh, you know, if you have a retirement account and the idea of accessing it penalty and tax-free appeals to you, there's a place on that website that you can fill out your contact information and someone from my team can reach out and, uh, you know, see if we can help out. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'd love if you can leave me a review on iTunes. Please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.